It's Tuesday, July 2nd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio from MFAM Funds, Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. As I mentioned yesterday with Ron Gross, we're uh, we're off this week basically, but we don't want to we we don't want to go with no episodes. It's just a short week. It's a short week, so we'll we'll be off tomorrow. We'll be off Thursday, but we're we're here yesterday and today. Yeah, go to the beach. Go to the beach. Take a little time off. Hopefully, folks get a little bit. Pay of time some off. attention to your family for once. <laughs> Stop listening to podcasts all day long. Is that what you're saying? That was directed at me, wasn't it? I just uh, <laughs> uh, We're going to dip into the full mailbag because uh, we've got a bunch of great questions. Um, let's start with uh, Jordan White, who writes to us from Yale University, your alma mater. A fine, fine institute, fine. if ever there was one. Um, Jordan, a little bit younger. He's class of 2020. A little bit. Uh, uh, Jordan writes, I was hoping you could explain PE multiples a bit. I was confused why Shake Shack's multiple was super high. Why would a stock's earnings per share go down when their stock price goes up? It's a math question, so clearly it's not for me. Uh, there, Yeah. The, so, the PE multiple is uh, one data point uh, made up of two data points, the price and the earnings. And it's uh, a shorthand to get into part of the story on a stock. Uh, so, you know, if, if a stock is trading at 20 times earnings and the market's 20 times earnings, then okay, it seems like uh, it sounds like sort of an average amount of enthusiasm for that company based on that very limited bit of data. What if a company is trading at 70, 80 times earnings like, uh, like Shake Shack? Uh, why, why is it trading that high? And uh, there may be a number of reasons. Typically, it's going to be other things being equal. That the present earnings are uh, indicating well, the, the present earnings are low, but the future earnings are going to be much greater, and it's a, a fast-growing company uh, to trade at such a high PE multiple. And something like uh, a car maker, Ford, GM, they tend to trade five, six, seven times earnings. They're they're cyclical companies. They make much, much more money. They have much longer history than Shake Shack. Uh, but that long history also shows they do not grow 10% year after year after year. Rather, they have uh, bursts of uh, money making in a good year, uh, and then the, the cycle turns. So they they don't sort of compound the growth of the company in in a meaningful way. The way at least the enthusiastic people out there for Shake Shack right now look at. The number of restaurants they have, the number of restaurants they could have in the future, the number of restaurants they say they're they're building every year, uh, and they say, "Look, that that's worth a lot more." I find that in my own investing life, I use the PE ratio only when it's an outlier, meaning, uh, and and now that I think about it, really just on the high side. I will av- maybe avoid buying shares of a company if if the PE is so insanely high that I just sort of look at it and go, well, wait a minute, there, there are so many assumptions built into this in terms of growth that I don't think I can justify putting my money here and I'm going to find investing ideas elsewhere. Um, on the flip side, I don't think I've ever bought a stock simply because the PE was super low. I've, I've never sort of looked at a company and been like, oh, God, look how cheap this is. I know, and, and by the way, plenty of people invest that way and do quite well investing that way. Well, and most of the history of the stock market 
involves that being a successful strategy, that, that people focusing on lower PE companies made more money than people buying stocks at, at higher PEs. And that has not been the case for uh, certainly the last five years and, and the better part of longer periods like 10 and 20 years where growth has outperformed value. Um, and that is – so those that would say, look, you know, the, the PE multiple for your NASDAQ stocks has gotten out of control. PEs always come back to – you know the the last 120 year average, and just you wait. It's all it's all it's it can't go like this. And that argument stems from typically you need to grow a company 20 percent. You need to keep buying more stuff. You need to build another factory. You, you there there is more physical demand um, on what you needed in order to grow with software companies. Things which can scale. Uh, very, very fast with very little incremental new investment. There, there is a reason to consider whether, you know, whether it's different this time. As as some people, you know, point out that that is the the words you should be most frightened by. Um, but you don't. Ford can't really change. Ford is not benefiting from the scalability of the internet, particularly, and so they're. Trading at about the same range they have always traded, whereas the, the Microsofts and other you know software companies uh, traded a different multiple. Got a question from Matthew Livesay, uh, another college student, University of Central Florida. Go Knights! Uh, also a great institute. <laughs> uh, Matthew writes occasionally after a negative earnings report or unexpected development, an avalanche of class action lawsuits will suddenly be announced on behalf of investors. From a variety uh, by a variety of law firms, you can find news alerts and press releases on a variety of websites, and they tend to be worded something like "such and such and such a law firm has announced a class action suit against insert name of company on behalf of investors." Um, and the email continues. It's a it's a very detailed, uh, thoughtful email, which basically boils down to I think Matthew's question is essentially. What is going on here, and what are investors like me supposed to make of this? You know, is this a scare tactic? Is this uh, you know short sellers? Um, you sometimes see instances where if you just look at the news feed of a company, you'll see a bunch of press releases from law uh, law firms, and then those lawsuits will disappear. So, I mean, I, again, I think the overarching question is like, what are we supposed to think when this happens? Because this happens. More frequently than I think the average investor might expect. So I've I've only done one class action lawsuit in my previous life uh, as an attorney, and that was on the defense side, not on the plaintiff side. Uh, but what they are doing, so a stock goes down, it announces missed earnings, whatever. Oh, we've got an accounting issue. That is a much better basis for your typical kind of class action suit. But let's just say there's an earnings miss and stock goes down 20 25% in a day, which doesn't happen every time there's an earnings miss, but it does some of the time, especially with a high-flying stock. What the class action uh, announcements are after is getting plaintiffs to join with them to be a named plaintiff. You can't just sue. You can't just be a lawyer who has not him or herself suffered any injury from the decline of the stock price and sue because you would like some money. 
you have to represent somebody who is actually uh, a victim of of this. And whether they're you know a victim or just they've lost money, and that's the nature of investing. What they want is some plaintiffs who are going to pass the scrutiny of the court, and that is to be somebody who says, "Look, I bought this stock based on my research, and I had looked into." The company. I'd looked into what management said they were going to do. I paid what I thought was a fair price after doing my valuation, and then they, you know, came out with this news that was completely different from what was out before, and uh, and and I lost money. I'm a victim, and and there's going to be an allegation in uh, the suit that management knew that they were misleading investors. And that then when they finally disclosed that they had been misleading investors and the market reacted to that, um, they, you know, sort of the jig was up. And you've got to have a couple of other elements, typically, uh, that management, somebody in management sold shares and that they and so that's that's how the the construct of the suit is. Like management kept the price high so that they could sell their shares and then, you know, announced that uh, things weren't as good as they'd said. And they were they were already out, and everybody else was holding the bag. Yeah, the, I'm glad you mentioned the insider selling because that's one of those things that uh, I I think uh, a lot of people um, look at insider selling and automatically assign a negative connotation to that. It's like, well, if the CEO or the you know, CFO or anyone with a C at the, at the at the front of their title is selling. Therefore, they must know something. So I'm getting out, and that is sometimes the case. But a lot of times, it is simply a, a situation where the executive has so much equity that they have essentially set up an automated selling plan where it's just I'm I'm just selling. One percent of my holdings, or you know, w- w- insert your number, but I'm just selling a little bit every quarter uh, on an automated basis. And please don't read anything into it other than uh, I'm just looking to diversify, like any investor is looking to diversify. Yeah, and that is typically going to be the case. Certainly, is going to be the defense if the case survives the you know summary judgment motion. Not to bore people with. How these things play out, but uh, sort of what you, uh, what the um, listener has, has written in about here is that the, there's all these announcements of lawsuits, and this does, that announcement stream doesn't really itself seem to affect the stock. So if the stock goes down twenty percent, you know there are going to be these suits. So in, if you're to incorporate the efficient markets theory, uh, hey. As soon as a piece of news bad enough to drive a stock down 20% comes out, everybody knows there's going to be these suits as well. So the sort of the initial reaction incorporates that's a that's an undisclosed piece of news that accompanies the bad news, but everybody knows, yeah, there'll be these suits and there'll be a bunch of them. What happens is the court ultimately decides which uh, which attorney has uh, acquired the the best set of plaintiffs and is most equipped to handle this this case, and then they're all consolidated because the company doesn't face twelve different class action suits from the same 
you know, the, the same decline of its price, everything gets consolidated and then there's a lead attorney and ultimately everything settles. Did you win your case? Uh, it, it, I, I, that sounds like a no. In, in court, <laughs> we won the part of the case that I uh, was on the team for. We, we won a, a big part of it. The class action kept going and, uh, you know, for some period of time, well after I had moved on to another job. So, you, did, I mean, you did your part. Uh, it was it was the first time I really got to do uh, some interesting stuff in court, which was very, very exciting. Nice. Like actually interacting with the judge and that sort of thing? Uh, yeah. Was it like law and order? Did you ever just shout down the other attorney on yeah, the other side? Just uh, take my shoe off and start banging it. and Maybe you know, not that. <laughs> you're out of order. Uh, not, I mean, not to that no, extreme. No, I didn't just, do that. But just sort of like a uh, uh, point of order no, or something. No, I don't just know. Just like say your honor a lot. Um, question from uh, Tom Sikorsky. You know, I misspoke. It's not actually a question. It was a single line that Tom sent in. Longtime listener Tom Sikorsky uh, with a couple of news links. And the email uh, that Tom wrote simply reads, the most important topic of the day, coffee. And Tom is referring to a couple of uh, new studies that came out. And, uh, and thank you to Tom and, and other listeners who either tweeted or sort of posted this in our Facebook group. Um, yet another study about the health benefits of coffee. This is one that I think uh, surprised some people, including the science community, uh, a new study about how coffee um, – and we already look. There's plenty of documented scientific data on the health benefits for your heart. Um, you know how it fights all manner of diseases. Um, this is one a new study that coffee could help burn fat. It helps fight obesity. It is, in short, a superfood. You get a lot of emails, a lot of tweets about this uh, because we have gone on at some point. And just to you, you let people know it. We are not actually either one of us doctors <laughs> or scientists. We are fans, fans of coffee, and so we highlight the things that make us feel better. There, there are I, it, it, the number of studies which show there might be some um, danger to drinking coffee is greater than zero. But we like to round it down to zero because the number of studies that show that it has benefits. Um, is now in the millions. Maybe not in the millions, but it is growing. <laughs> One side is growing, the other is not. Um, which leads to this question, and this is a serious question. <laughs> and that I, I know you can ask a serious question. Am I expected to answer it seriously? Because um, I'm not a scientist. I know you're not, but you are an investor, and you are a fan of coffee. And I am curious because I did have this thought when I was looking at this latest batch of studies. Is the embarrassment of riches, and that's really what it is in terms of scientific studies, is the embarrassment of riches in terms of coffee-related studies making you even 1% nervous that something is amiss here? Like this is, this is now becoming – when we first started talking about these, it really was something where it was like once a year a study would come out. And I'm going back to the beginning of market foolery, you know, 2011, 2012, that sort of thing. It's now coming on a more frequent basis, covering more health conditions. And this is the first time I've looked at this and thought, my gosh, this is, this is like if you're a fan of a sports team and they're just winning the championship every year for you know, a decade. 
on some level, as a fan of that team, you have to think to yourself, I mean, this is great, but at some point this is going to end. And so I'm, I'm wondering, on any level, are you at all nervous about like an- another very reputable study is going to come out and be like, actually, no, we've been wrong about this. No. <laughs> okay. Are you? I, I am, as I said, part of my reaction to this latest round was, this is running up the score. And I'm happy. Wait, are you worried that Big T is going to fund some uh, counter-research? If you were Big T, wouldn't you fund counter-research? If you were big, any other beverage, wouldn't you do that? Uh, well, I'm not, uh, you know, as much of a evil, you know, big manipulator, you know, as as there are out there, I guess. But uh, no, no, everybody should be uh, promoting this so that uh, the word gets out. I I don't know. I think that uh, there's a, probably will attract more. Study more research, uh, and I don't know who's going to fund the uh, research that looks for the bad stuff. In the meantime, there's no reason not to have a seventh cup of coffee. Yeah, no, there's there's the the, the danger is not having enough coffee, right. as we've pointed out for years. Right. Um, again, we are off tomorrow. We're off Thursday. Happy Independence Day uh, to everyone. Hope. Uh, Everyone has a, a good bit of time off. If you're on the roads, be extra careful because this is one of those one of the busiest times to be on the road in America. And uh, for crying out loud, just be safe with the fireworks. Please, please, just be safe with the fireworks. Don't be one of those people who ends up on the you know the Darwin Award list or yeah. Just be safe with the fireworks. Please, 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 <laughs> for us and for the kids. Do it for the kids. Um, Again, off th- uh, off Wednesday, off Thursday, but back next week. Matt Greer live from Colorado. It's my it's my twenty fifth anniversary today. Did you know that wedding anniversary? Yes. And you're, you're here. And here you've left it uh, uncommented upon. One mo- once again, I buried the lead. Happy twenty fifth to you and your lovely bride. Thank you. Um, I'm assuming a fabulous meal is in order, or perhaps more than one. Uh, yeah. Well, we're we're going to. Uh, Adjourn to uh, Bermuda. Nice. Not today, but very, very, very soon. Very nice. You know yeah, what they have in Bermuda? Food. Coffee. <laughs> Bill Barker from MFAM Funds. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about on The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Austin Morgan. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week from Colorado. <laughs>